You're listening to Rivercast, brought to you by River of Life Church in Gilderland, New York. Now here's Pastor Sean. Hey, good morning, River. That is a, a good reminder. The first Christmas that ever was wasn't about packages and presents and uh, eBay or Amazon. <laughs> it was uh, very simple but with much fanfare from those angels, truly grace in the manger. I hope as uh, the hustle and bustle of the Christmas season and whatever you have planning and uh, all of that, I hope that in the simplicity of that video that, uh, that you're able to experience anew and afresh uh, that joy and that grace. And I pray this morning as you walk in the door that, uh, that God would speak into our hearts today as a church as we open His Word and we share together and we sing to him. I'm going to share a few minutes out of uh, Luke chapter 1. We've uh, started just a little mini-series, if you will, uh, thinking about uh, the Christmas story. And last week, I'm, I'm kind of taking myths down. You know, for some people, if you've never really been in a church uh, much that, that shared the Bible and taught from the Bible regularly, you, there, you might have some myths still in your brain. And last week, one of those we talked about that Christmas season is not about one miracle birth, it's actually about two. Uh, John the Baptist, as we know him, uh, uh, was the first miracle birth before Jesus. And this morning, I, I want us to, to realize that Mary is probably different, the mother of Jesus is probably different than, um, than what most of us think on the Christmas cards, right? We've all seen the little Christmas card, you know, Mary's on the, the donkey and there's Joseph leading the donkey, making their way. And, you know, and it's kind of this sublime, sweet, you know, you just kind of, you get this picture of Mary, I guess. Maybe, do you get that picture? I, I get that. I, I'm thinking that that's probably kind of common, that she's just this sweet, really nice, gentle, you know, kind of humble soul or whatever. We don't really hear her talk much. But this morning, we're going to see that she was way more than that. I am so impressed with who Mary was as a servant of the Most High God. And she was absolutely an amazing woman. I'll say, folks, she was tough. She, would, she was a seriously strong and tough woman. So uh, guys, this morning, men, uh, there's some things in here that I believe God has for you as servants of God that we all need to learn from. But ladies, I especially want you to kind of pay attention. We're going to focus in on, on Mary. So take your Bible, if you will, and turn with me to Luke chapter 1. And while you're turning there, uh, it'll be on the screen if you don't have your Bible. You can look at Luke 1, verse 26. Uh, but while you're turning there, I do want to give a shout out to our guests. So glad that, uh, that you uh, are with us this morning. And ushers, we're pretty full this morning. So make sure any new folks that come in the door that you kind of help them find their way over here. We're, if we're a canoe, we always list to this side, you know, so uh, there's always usually seats over this way. So ushers do help our, our uh, folks find their way. So read with me if you would in Luke chapter 1, starting in verse 26. We're going to read how when Mary is first told uh, by the angel Gabriel that she's going to have a baby. So in verse 26, the Bible says this, In the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent from God to a city of Galilee named Nazareth, to a virgin betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David. And the virgin's name was Mary. And he came to her and he said, Greetings, O favored one, the Lord is with you. But she was greatly troubled at the saying and tried to discern what sort of greeting this might be. And the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. 
And the Lord God will give to him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever, and of his kingdom there will be no end. And Mary said to the angel, How will this be, since I am a virgin? And the angel answered her, The Holy Spirit will come upon you, the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Therefore, the child to be born will be called Holy, the Son of God. And behold, your relative Elizabeth in her old age has conceived a son. And this is the sixth month with her who is called barren. For nothing will be impossible with God. And Mary said, Behold, I am the servant of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word. And the angel departed from her. Pray with me, would you? Father, Lord of heaven, as we sing this morning, we pray that you would come down. Father, we recognize that Jesus has already come down, the Son of God, God in the flesh, and has lived a perfect life on this earth, and who willingly and voluntarily died to take our sins, to take our punishment. He died in our place on that cross 2,000 years ago, and He rose again. So, Lord, we are grateful that you have already come down. But Father, we ask this morning that your spirit would speak into our hearts. Father, I know there are people this morning carrying heavy burdens and concerns. Lord, I pray that you would minister and speak to those today through the power of your word and just your presence here together, gathered with other fellow believers. Lord, I know there's people here this morning that are trying to understand exactly what they believe about you in the Bible. I pray that you would open the eyes of their heart that they might, might know you. Father, would you meet with us this morning, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. I want you to notice this morning four or five things about what it means to be a, a servant of God. I'm so, as I, as I was preparing and reading this and just uh, reading the passage, just the Mary's response to this whole thing. I mean, I think it's difficult for us to understand just how this would have rocked her world. Absolutely. Minding her own business, she's betrothed to, to Joseph, which meant they were legally married, but yet they were not living together yet as husband and wife. Theirs were, marriage then was kind of a two-stage rocket, if you will. Like the legal stuff was up front and the consummation and the celebration was later on. So she was legally married, but yet had not yet spent the night with Joseph, shall we say. And, and this angel Gabriel comes to her and she's startled, frightened by it. And he says, don't be afraid, Mary. I mean, as soon as he called me my name, I'd be like, whoa, you know, it's one thing to see something, but when somebody you don't know knows you by name, you're like, well, how did you know what, who I was? And he goes on to tell her some amazing thing that, Mary, we know that you are going to have a baby. Even though you don't know a man yet and you and Joseph haven't consummated your marriage, but you are going to have a son and you're going to call his name Jesus, which, by the way, was very unusual. It was the man's job, the husband's job in that culture to name the baby. And, of course, God was naming the child. So there's a subtle claim here that Jesus being the son of God, but told Mary to do it because she was the rightful biological parent of Jesus. And, and God is going to give him the throne of David. And she knew all of the promises that were going to be that pertained to that and knew that God was doing something special and amazing and bringing salvation to his people. And her question was very different than what we saw last week when the same angel Gabriel, he must have been busy in that season. But, you know, when he told Zechariah, your wife, even though she's too old to have kids, she's going to have a baby. He didn't believe Gabriel. 
Mary didn't have a doubt in it. She just wanted another mechanics like, how's this going to work? <laughs> you know, you just single women don't get pregnant on their own. And Gabriel explained it to her. God, the Holy Spirit is going to come. and He's going to do a miracle and something very unusual with you, with you, Mary. And her basic end of the story, she says this. Cool. Behold, which is, look, it's like, hey, Gabriel, get this. Don't worry about me. You need to understand something. I'm the servant of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word. I want you to notice first thing this morning when we think about what it means to serve God. Mary was a servant. Her identity was a servant before she ever did anything in ministry. Before God ever called her, if you will, in ministry, before God ever gave her a very specific assignment, you're going to be the mother of my son Jesus Mary, in her own mind and heart, was identified, identified herself as the servant of the Most High God. You see, here's the thing. The biggest thing for her in this story wasn't that she was going to get pregnant, wasn't that she was going to have a baby, wasn't that he was going to be the Messiah, the Savior of the world. Her biggest thing is like, if that's what God wants, I'm his servant. Whatever God wants, that is my identity. See, I'm pointing that out to us this morning to, to say this. Sometimes when we think about ministry and service to God and others, we, we think that, you know, that we become a servant once we get an assignment and we do something. But actually, we become a servant when we surrender our life to Jesus Christ and we enter into that relationship with Him. From that very moment forward, we become a servant of the Most High God. Even if God hasn't given us anything specific or we don't see any angels coming along and we don't have any other big things going on, we are a servant of God. And because Mary had made this decision in her past, somewhere in her past, we don't know when, if she was five or six or seven, but being brought up in the, in the, in the Hebrew, the Jewish faith, she would have been taught all of the Old Testament and all the promises of the Messiah, and she got it. Unlike what we just went through as we walked through Judges that so many people would read and hear and they wouldn't get it, Mary got it. And she in her heart was just not a, an outward Jew, if you will, and just not an outwardly follower of God, but she in her heart had settled down deep in her soul that she would be a follower of God Himself, that she was a servant of God. And because she made that decision in her past, that answered and spoke to everything else that would come in her future. Everything came out of that decision. Because she was a follower of Jesus Christ, of the coming Messiah, her own son, if you will, that her past was settled and her future was secure completely in that moment. So I want us to recognize that for you and for me, what God is, calls us to, when we... Because he sent his son Jesus at Christmas time, not December 25th, we don't really know when that date was, but because he sent his son Jesus who lived a perfect life and at 33 years of age voluntarily went to the cross, was crucified and killed, had his blood shed for your sins and mine because our sin earned us death. The only way we could escape death is somebody paying our punishment and Jesus stepped in as the only perfect sacrifice qualified to do that. And he rose again on the third day that our faith in him, our surrender to him is, is our Savior and our Lord is what saves us and gives us forgiveness of sin. 
But what that means is, is the day that we do that, it is in essence writing a blank check to God and saying, God, at this moment, I give authority and control of my life to you. I'm surrendering my life to Jesus. And whatever you want to do in my life is fine by me. Mary had given, given God, as it were, that blank check years ago. And so when this thing came down the line that she was not expecting, not praying for, not looking for, and quite frankly, difficult to explain, how do you go back to your mom? Uh, mom, I'm pregnant. What did you do that for? I didn't do anything. Oh, come on. How dumb do you think I really am, you know? I mean, we don't understand how difficult it was. Today, it's okay to have sex, you know, just when, however and whenever and whatever, you know, first date, third date, tenth date, just anywhere and all of that. We don't understand the stigma of what Mary did. In her mind, she said, okay, I don't know how I'm going to explain this to my husband <laughs> who knows full well he's not the father. I don't know how I'm going to explain this to my parents. I have no clue. We don't see her asking for an affidavit in writing, you know, hey, can I get this notarized like you were here? Like, you know, this is all good, you know, can, can I get you, you know, a, a deposition, you know, for the attorneys? Can I get you on video? I mean, she just said, okay, I'm a servant of God. Because I'm a servant of God, God has right to do with me whatever he very well wants. So I want to challenge you. Some of you guys made that decision long ago. And because of that, we're challenged with some of the things that go on in our life today. And I'll talk about that more in a minute. But some of you Maybe you're seeing, you know, well, I, I, I'm not sure that really I'm a servant. I believe in God. Now, I want you to understand, you really don't know Jesus Christ unless you surrender your life to him and become his servant. This is an, an all-in kind of relationship where you say, Jesus, I belong to you. Would you save me? And Jesus, my, my life is yours. Do with me as you so desire. So I want to challenge you to be the servant of God and know that being a servant comes long before you ever do anything actually in service. Second thing I want you to recognize is being a servant of God means that not just that we do stuff for God, but it means we allow God to do stuff to us. Usually you think of serving God, well, I'm, I'm going to serve God. I'm going to go do something. You know, if I'm going to I'm going to serve someone, you know, I may help them move firewood or clean a floor or whatever, or help them or pray with them or encourage them, whatever. And we know that, that we're supposed to serve one another. And we tend to put the focus on the, the whole doing, that we're going to go out and do this stuff. But I want us to notice in Mary that because we serve God, we allow God to actually do stuff to us. You see, this was not in her plan. This was not in her wedding plan. Get, get the picture. Her light, nice, perfect wedding, blown to pieces. Like wedding dress, whole plans, everything, gone. Social stigma, off the chart. Would have been seen. Nobody, would, would you have believed her? I mean, let's be honest. You knew somebody like, oh, I'm pregnant. Who's the father? Is it Joseph? No, it's not Joseph. Who's the father? I... I really don't know how this works, but it's God. Yeah, God, yeah, really, God? Come on. What are you smoking? Like, what do you think I'm smoking to believe in that? You know, I mean, you wouldn't believe her, right? I wouldn't have either. And she just very simply said, okay, that's cool. She allowed God to do stuff to her. I mean, get the full picture of who this woman was. She didn't know what Joseph was going to say. I mean, I don't even know how what you go the rest of your day. You know, you go home to mom. So how was your day today? 
oh, good. This angel came and told me I'm going to have a baby. What? Well, yeah, I hope you do have a baby. That's cool. No, Mom, not, not with Joseph. I, not with Joseph, some other guy? No, not with some other guy. Like, no. I mean, she then, after she's pregnant, gets pregnant and deals with all the social stigma because there's a census of the, 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 the Roman government. She has to go to Bethlehem, and we don't know how far along she was, but the picture is that she wasn't in Bethlehem too long, and she had a baby. I mean, she was probably eight or nine months pregnant. How many miles do you want to ride on a donkey, eight or nine months pregnant, ladies? Okay? And she's not, we don't see the picture of her saying, God, I can't believe you did this to me. I'm just so, you know, why'd I have to do that? And then she has a baby and, and lays him in the barn, literally. And, you know, I don't know if they kick the animals out or not. My hunch is probably not. But, uh, you know, animals aren't the only things that live in the barn. She laid them in a manger, which is the feeding trough for the animals. So picturing hay and all that stuff around. Do you know what lives in hay? Creepy crawly stuff. A church I pastored years ago, we had some sort of vacation Bible school thing that was going on, and you know, they decorated the whole stage and all that, and they brought in hay bales. I don't remember what, it wasn't a hoedown, it wasn't a western thing, it may have been, I don't remember. But I, we got fleas in our building from that hay. And the only reason you know there's fleas in the building is see, they get on you. You know, and, and here she is a mom, like that's the best she can come up with her baby. That is not what she wants. Um, and then she's having to flee from Egypt because her, her child is under the death threat and having to leave, or leaves Bethlehem and goes to Egypt. And then the day comes 33 years later and she watches in anguish and hears the nails being driven through her son's wrists and the excruciating pain, and she didn't ask for any of that. None of that. The emotional, painful roller coaster that she went through. You see, when you and I agree to become a servant of the Most High God, it doesn't mean that we're just going to do stuff for God that we think of. It means that we're allowing God to allow stuff to be done to us. It means that we, we embrace the difficulty, the heartache, the pain that, that Mary would have gone through. And while I'm not going to paint her as a saint, she is a saint, not because a church somewhere later on said she was, she's a saint because she was a follower of Jesus who saved her from her sins and was a saint. But she wasn't perfect, and I'm sure she had her moments with Joseph. All right, let's not paint her too perfectly here. But we really don't see her whining and complaining a whole lot, we see her saying, okay, if that's what my servant, my Lord requires of me, I'm willing to do that. So I don't know what pain you have going on in your life right now because of your life circumstances or maybe situations in which God has you. Could God have given you to different parents? Absolutely. Could God have given you a different job, different boss? Absolutely. Could God have given you a different house? Absolutely. Could God have put you in a different continent? You bet. Could you have lived at a different time? You bet. There's all kinds of stuff in your life that you go through that's hardship and difficulty. And, and it's a part of what God is doing in our life. And if we're to take a lesson from Mary, being a servant of God means that we become okay with some of that stuff if not most of that stuff, that we say, okay, I'm a servant of the Most High God. And because I'm a servant of the Most High God, I'm okay with it. 
Now notice that she, when she hears all of this, didn't say, uh, can I take a break? Can we like take five and me think about this? We don't see her stressed out. We don't see her freaking out. We don't see her full of, of, of anxiety, worry, depression. We don't see her taking a nosedive mentally or emotionally. And in the process, it's part of it, I'll talk more about that in just a minute, but it's because she embraced and allowed God in her life circumstance for stuff to come her way. Stuff that she didn't ask for, didn't choose. Being a servant of God means that you not only do stuff for God, but you allow stuff to be done to you. And you handle it as you should, properly in a way that honors God, gives glory to Him, and it shows love to people around it. Let, let, me, let me say this little thing and I'll move on. Could God have made this world without an enemy to Him? He could have. He's God. He can do whatever He wants to do. But He allowed an en enemy to come into this world. Satan is the one that can't stand God and hates Him and took all kinds of other angels down His dark hole with Him and takes lots of people and lives that spread in the world. Well, if God is willing to live with enemies, do you think God is willing for you and me to live with enemies too? You see, if we think about these things, it means that we're going to deal with a coworker or our supervisor or the people in our life that we just, just struggle with. God, I can't stand this. I want to get out of this. We embrace the difficulties because we're serving of the Most High God. Third thing I want you to recognize, not only does serving God mean that, that we... Uh, allow Him to do stuff to us, not just doing stuff for Him, but it means that we gladly arrange our life around His. Our life is not our own. It doesn't belong to us. God directly intervened with Mary in between, in the middle of Mary and Joseph's wedding, if you will. I, I don't know why He didn't go to Mary before that. Maybe He wanted Jesus to have a... a a father, an earthly father in the picture from day one. Maybe he, maybe Mary would have had a tough time finding a husband after that, which would have been likely. But in the process of it all, she had, she as a woman had kept the Old Testament. The picture that we have of Mary is that she feared God. She was looking for the coming of the Messiah. She had kept herself physically pure in the, in the world in which she lived, which was a picture, a window into her world that she was keeping all of the Old Testament. And then what this also meant was is that Joseph and Mary were not going to be able to consummate their marriage probably on time. I don't know how long a betrothal period was, but if I were legally married at that time, I wouldn't be very patient. I'd be like, Hey, babe, we got married. Nine months is way too long for us to be living together, right? So their whole relationship got delayed in the process. So she was gladly arranging her life around God's will for her, her life. She was obedient to God. And we get the picture when we read this. She, she didn't do it reluctantly because what, what stands out in my mind as I read this and, and as we look at it, the angel knows he's dropping a bomb into her world. And she's somehow picking up on this. And she tells the angel, she's kind of like, look, I'm a servant of God. This is no big thing for me. 
She gladly embraced it. Remember the story of Jonah? God goes to Jonah. Jonah, I got a job for you. Okay, yes, sir, Lord. I want you to go to Nineveh. Okay, I'm going to really tell those Ninevites that God's going to get you. I want you to go to Nineveh. And Jonah knew that when God said that, that God wanted to save Nineveh. And Jonah didn't want to do it. He was a reluctant servant of God. He goes, and you know the story, he goes 180 degrees the opposite direction, gets a boat and tries to get out far away from God's will as he can because he's a bit racist and he did not like the Ninevites at all and he was running the other direction and, and God ends up orchestrating things and he gets thrown into a big fish and gets spit up on land and all of that. And then when he finally goes and does what God tells him to do in the first place, which is a mercy of God. Usually when I disobey God, I don't usually get a second chance. I don't know how that happens, but it really doesn't. I don't, I rarely get a second, like, Sean, I want you to talk to that person. If I blow God off in that process, I don't get another chance. I don't know how that works, but God gave Jonah that second chance and he obeys them and he talks to the Ninevites. And then afterwards he sits up on a hill and he sulks when he sees what happens, that all the people respond. He was a reluctant servant of God. You see, here's what I'm saying with all of this. You and I shouldn't be like, well, I'm a servant of God, so I guess I got to do this. I guess I got to put up with this. It's my cross I got to bear in life. We all know we're supposed to take up our cross daily and follow Jesus. Let's have fun with that one. She was glad. She ran toward that with all of that that went forward. So for you and for me to be a servant of God, it's not, again, just that we do stuff. It's not even just that God, we allow God to do stuff to us. But it means every area of our life we arrange around His. And if God gives us in the process some big thing to do, great. And if God doesn't, that's fine too. But Mary's entire life was arranged around God's will for her. You know, sometimes, we, sometimes as Christians we get... We get where we want God to send us some just specific instructions, you know. Like the, we almost like we want God to give us a honey-do list, but then we don't necessarily always want to do it. So we want God to give us a specific cool thing that we're supposed to do, right? But the thing is, 90% of what God wants us to do is the same generic stuff that He gives everybody to do. And that's why He took the time to write it out in so much detail. We're to love Him with all our heart, soul, and mind. We're to love our neighbors ourselves. We're to follow Him and pursue Him and, and to make Him the, 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 uh, as the focus and center of our life. And along the way, He might have some specific things. Actually, He does. But sometimes we get so focused on the little specific things or maybe the showy things that we miss the simplicity of Mary. And... If we know anything, reading what God does in the Bible, like God was careful when he gave Samson to his parents. We read it, Joseph. He, God was careful um, with Samuel and gave him Hannah, a mom that, would, that honored God, and God kind of raised him up and used him in the world. So here's Mary living just a simple, obedient life, and it qualified her to be the mother that would bring our Lord Jesus into this world. That doesn't say that she's special. In fact, Mary's not special at all. She's an average, ordinary, run-of-the-mill human being. And if she were in this room today, she would give me a shout-out and say amen. And you're absolutely right. I'm nothing special. But my son was awesome. But I'm saying that to you and to me, is that 
I want us to, to recognize that, that God just wants our life to be oriented around Him. That I don't care if you work, where you work, if you, if you work in a paper mill, if you work for the, the, the state, a lot of you guys work for the state, if you work for a company or a business or a school or a hospital or, or if you're a student or if you're a stay-at-home mom or if you're, Sean, I just want a job and I'll have a job, so if you're one of those, like whatever you're doing, everything in our life should be before Him because we're a servant of the Most High God. Now, if we're going to truly live this way, where our whole life is just, God, I, wanna, I want you to be glorified, we're going to run into some stuff that are difficult to handle, right? Anybody here ever have some real problems in life, real challenges? You know, this little, I'm just serving Jesus, minding my own business, and, you know, whack, and you, you fall down and all of that. Yeah, we get hit. Sean, it's not as simple as that. You're absolutely right. I want you to recognize that Mary was able to do this because her, she was a strong woman because she was strong in the Lord. It's not because she was an amazing woman herself. I think she was impressive and amazing, but really she had an impressive and amazing God. Her strength was in God himself. I want you to notice the verse before the one that I read, verse 38. Look at verse 37. The angel Gabriel is explaining to her, she just wanted mechanically to know how this was going to happen. She wasn't doubting it. The angel doesn't sanction her and, and get on her for doubting him. She just wanted to know how this was going to work. And he tells her. And his bottom line is this. He says, look, Mary, nothing will be impossible with God. He referred to God twice in this passage as the most high God. The most high. And here he says, Mary, nothing is going to be impossible for God. It's significant that the last thing that she hears in her ears and that Gabriel wanted to make sure that she was focused on, was Mary, God is powerful, and God's going to take care of this, and God has got this. You see, you and I can be strong as a servant of God when we keep our eye and recognizing that our strength is in God on high. She was a strong woman because she found her strength in God. Ladies, I want you to realize we live in a culture today, and I'm all about women being equal with men. But there, if you pay attention, lady, if you take your cues from the culture around us, your empowerment of women actually has a very low ceiling. It's just to be on par with men, and it's to, to, to overcome and deal with the stuff or whatever men have done to you as a gender, if you will. And I want you to actually rise above that. God has something greater than you. Your sights should not be, you know, if you really pay attention to all the feminisms going on, a lot of the feminists and a lot of the, the people in the pop culture will be like, ladies, we've been put down so much, so now it's our turn to put the guys down. That's <laughs> really what's going on. It's like, wait a minute. I think the Bible says something about don't be overcome by evil, but overcoming evil with good. God has something even bigger for you, ladies, and that is your, your strength comes from the Lord. You see, what the angel Gabriel was telling Mary is that you're going to be able to do all of this. This is possible because God's strength is going to do that. Ladies, you're strong not because of you yourself and you willing up your own power and being whatever and that you can you know, kind of deal with that. You're strong because the God in heaven is strong. Your strength comes from from him. It comes com 
completely from him and no other place at all. Have you ever watched, I know some of you don't watch football, so humor me. Illustrations are always difficult. It always connects with some and loses others, so hang with me. So have you ever seen the guy, the running back, who has the football, and he has five huge guys trying to tackle him, and they can, and somehow he stays on his feet, and then somehow his other teammates get four you know, behind him, and all of a sudden that pile just moves forward. It's not that that one guy is so strong, he can take on five guys. It's he's got four more guys pushing with him, and they push the pile. So as the world pushes in on you and me, and as the world, if we were standing on our own strength, there's no way that any of us are empowered enough to make it in this world empowered enough to, to accomplish anything that God has for us and would absolutely blow us away because the world would totally blow us over. But what we need to realize is our strength is that, yes, God allows that stuff to be done to us in life. Those pains and those questions and those things that don't make sense, those things that we think, well, I'm just trying, just trying to serve God and I don't understand why this is all going on. Because there's an enemy and because it's a messed up world and because things just happen and it pushes on us, but we need to realize that on the backside, God is pushing the other way. You see, the issue isn't our own strength. The issue is the strength of a God behind us and in us who's resisting that. There's probably some physics laws in there. I'll let the math physics people tell me what all of that is, you know, equal opposite forces and all of that. But you know what I'm talking about. God is pushing in on the weak us, and we're able to endure and survive and not fall apart in the middle of that. Well, Sean, how do I really find strength in God? I'm so glad you asked me that. And this is the last, last things I'm going to talk to you about. How do, we, how do we really find strength in God? Number one, our faith is in Him. If you put your faith any other place in this world, it will absolutely get run over. It will be broken. It will come crashing down. It will be destroyed. Not just because the world will do it. God will make sure of that. Do you remember these little things called idols? Whatever you put your faith in is an idol. And God doesn't like idols. God is in the idol tearing down business. And usually you can identify idols in people because when idols are always torn down in the Bible, people get mad. Guess what we do when God tears our idols down? We get mad. And we, well, we pray, then we start praying to the God in heaven, Gary. But we get mad and then we start looking around we get mad, we get nervous, we get worried. And what God is doing all along is He's tearing an idol down. So our faith should be in God alone. If your faith is in God alone, then guys, there's nothing in your world that's impossible for God. Nothing. Being a servant of God means that your faith and your trust and your hope is in Him 100% of the time, Always. I don't care if we're talking medical issues or not. Sean, are you trying to see that I shouldn't get vaccines for my kids? No, I'm not an anti-vaxxer, and I'm not talking about that. But what I am saying is in the middle of the medical world, I'm saying, God, I trust you. God, would you please help that doctor? God, if there's any way around this. God, if you want to do a miracle, I'm cool with that too. But my hope and faith is in God and all of those things, not in my world just working out. Mary said yes to a really big thing here, guys. She didn't know what was going to come down the line. She didn't know how she was going to provide for herself, if her husband was going to reject her. How do you have those conversations? All of that. You know how she was strong? She trusted in a God who is able. Don't you ever forget that we serve 
the most high God who has all power. First thing to be strong is you keep your trust in Him. Second thing is, is you need to accept that God has some bigger things going on that you don't know about. Now, God let Mary in on the secret. Mary, you're going to be pregnant. You're going to have a baby. By the way, Mary, you're going to call him the name Jesus. The name Jesus means the, the Lord will save. The Lord saves. It's the same word, Joshua, Yeshua, if you will, Jesus. God was saying, Mary, I know this isn't a normal, and yeah, this is kind of messing up your perfect wedding and your perfect plans and your perfect everything, but Mary, I got a reason why this is happening to you. And it was a blessing for Mary, even in the middle of the difficulty, but she had to accept that God had bigger things going on that she knew not of, and it wasn't all about her. Guess what? You and I can be strong when we realize and say, God, I'm going to trust you. And as a part of trusting you, I'm going to trust that you really do have some things out there that I don't understand. But God, I don't need to understand it. Does God always let you in on what he's doing and why he's doing it? 50% of the time even? 25% of the time? I'm not sure if I even catch 5% looking in the rearview mirror, right? Honestly, I just kind of go through life and you and I can be strong if we say, God, I'm going to trust you. Second thing, God, is I'm going to trust that you have something going on that I don't understand. And God, I'm okay with that. I'm okay. My job is to be a servant. You're the one who's in charge. And the third thing is, is to remember your identity. I'm going to end where I started out. The third way that you're strong is say, I'm a servant of God. I'm not just a filing cabinet in a corner. I'm not a piece of furniture that might get thrown out. You see, when you're a servant of God, there is a relationship between you and God. God takes care of his servants. God takes those things personally. There's never a situation that you face in your life in which you're not a servant of the Most High God. Not one. You go to work, you're a servant of the Most High God. You're not just a servant when you're doing church stuff or at church or religious stuff, if you will. You're a servant 24-7. Your entire life is before Him. And in the middle of that, that means God is watchful, taking care of you, guiding you, protecting you. He doesn't let everything happen to us, thank the Lord. He allows some stuff to happen to us, but He doesn't allow all the stuff to happen to us because we're a servant. So remember that in the process of all of that, just like Mary said, I know my identity. My identity is I belong to Him. And because I belong to Him, I trust Him. I can do whatever I need to do. My strength's in Him. I know He's got a plan. And I don't need to know all the details for the next nine months out. You and I would want that, right? Okay, God, I got a few questions. How am I going to provide for this kid? What? How? how God, I, I, we would be... Mary just said, okay, I'll trust you because she knew she was a servant. And because of that, it settled everything else. So I want to challenge you this Christmas season. If you're not a servant of God, the best gift you could ever get is receiving His Son, Jesus, as Lord of your life and becoming that servant. Because in that moment, you become a child of His. You become forgiven of all your sins. You become forgiven of the guilt the shame, all of that is gone because Jesus took it away 2,000 years ago. 
And in that moment, you go from being an enemy of God to being a servant of God, from one who is against God and whom God is against to one who is for God and that God in turn watches over and loves and cares and guides and provides. So if you're not a servant, I challenge you today to take that step of faith, to take that step of in your heart saying, God, I'm going to turn away from those sins, all the things that you hated in my life. God, I don't know how I'm going to do that because quite honestly, I'm addicted to it. I want to do it. But God, I know I, that's not you. And best I know, I'm turning to you. Would you forgive me and save me? And would you be in charge of my life? That's receiving the gift of salvation. For some of you, you ought to take that step of faith or that just personal relationship between you and God. Others of you, are you remembering consciously that you're a servant of the Most High God? Have you fallen into bitterness and complaint, unforgiveness, frustration in life? Life didn't turn out the way that I want. Maybe you need to realize that being a servant of God and you need to remember that means that you're allowing God to do stuff to you. Not just that you're doing stuff for God. Maybe you need to find your strength in Him a bit more. And not rely on yourself, your common sense, your own abilities. But say, God, because you can do everything, I'm going to trust you. So this Christmas season, I'm asking you, as our team comes up and we, we close and we continue on and sing some more to our Lord, I'm going to ask you to take just a minute to what God has, we've read from Mary and what God has spoken in your heart, and respond to Him today. Maybe it's giving simply thanksgiving to Him, saying, thank you, Lord, for saving me. Maybe that's saying, God, I have been rejecting this. This is painful, and I haven't really embraced it. Embracing it doesn't mean that you're excited about it. I don't think Mary was like, woo I get to ride on a donkey, you know, nine months pregnant. This is awesome. This is great. Let's do it again. You know, every year is a, you know, anniversary. But but are you fighting against it? You understand what I'm saying. It's one thing to accept God's will, and it's another thing to fight against it. Are you accepting it? Are you embracing what God's doing? Are you moving forward? Are you really living as a servant of Him, finding a strength in Him? So whatever God has spoken in your heart, I'm going to ask if you'd stand, and we're gonna, I'm going to pray, and we're going to sing. This next song is meant to be a little more contemplative, to help you think, to help you pray, help you respond. And whatever God's putting in your heart, make that commitment to Him this morning. Pray with me, would you? Father, thank you for Mary. Lord, I just so refreshed seeing anew what, who she was as your child. Lord, I honestly, I'm tempted to just be amazed at her, but Father, she's really nothing but a, a servant of an amazing God. And Lord, if you work that in her, not worrying and not anxious, not questioning, not doubting and accepting all that came with that, the incredible responsibility. Lord, would you help us to embrace those challenges in our life, to make full use of your calling in our lives? And would you forgive us when sometimes we try to want something that's showier or bigger and to realize that, that your eye is on every one of us and all the mundane things of life God, would you use us, I pray. And for those that are contemplating that step of faith, Lord, of just what it really means to follow you, would you help them to understand the seriousness of that commitment? And would you help them in a, a heart to be abandoned and to tr trust you by faith, not trusting in anything else to save them and to help them? 
but simply your son, Jesus. Father, would you work in our hearts, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks for listening to Rivercast, brought to you by River of Life Church in Gilderland, New York. Visit us on Sundays at 10 a.m. or online at riveralbany.com.